Hello, and welcome to the Pathmic Psychiatry for Primary Care podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Whitney Landa. Welcome to today's podcast on ADHD. Today, we're going to explore what is ADHD, how we can explain it to our patients in a way that they really understand it and it can help them overcome the symptoms of ADHD to some extent in their lives, but also how we can think about ADHD as well, because if we can explain it well to patients and present them a strengths-based approach to ADHD, they do much better in how they internalize the idea of having ADHD and how they manage the symptom. The general perception of ADHD is very negative, and we can have a really powerful impact on people just in the way we talk to them about their diagnosis. So I'm not going to go through the DSM-5 criteria. You guys can look that up. You probably already know that. I'm going to really focus on the neurobiology of ADHD and how we can help patients by teaching that to them, and then some of the strengths-based approach and things you should discuss with your patients with ADHD. So ADHD is very much a disorder of control. It's not that people with ADHD can't focus can't pay attention, can't regulate their emotions, they can't choose when they do that. People with ADHD can actually focus better than same-aged peers if they're interested or something's important to them. And that's important for us to know, both in how we diagnose it. Anyone who works with kids has heard the, I mean, he can spend hours on his Legos, but he can't finish his homework. It's like, well, yeah, That's because his brain is set up to focus on things that are interesting and important to him only and not that super late assignment from class. But we can still recognize those symptoms and teach parents and patients about those symptoms because that still really affects people and their adults too by teaching them about the prefrontal cortex. So we know our prefrontal cortex manages our executive function, our organization, our attention, and our emotion regulation. So if we think about ADHD as a disease of the prefrontal cortex, it makes a lot of sense. There's pathways in the prefrontal cortex that are inhibitory pathways and they're glutamatergic in nature, but they are indirectly affected by norepinephrine and dopamine. And you guys know, since you all listen to the methylphenidate and amphetamine podcast, that that's how our stimulants work. They increase the levels of dopamine and norepinephrine in this circuitry and that helps people focus persist on task and help regulate their emotions but we can do that naturally too so norepinephrine affects the circuitry towards attention to signal so how i explain this to patients is i say you're my signal right now i'm talking to you and you're what's important to me So if I feel like this is important, I'm going to release a certain amount of norepinephrine. Of course, this is oversimplified, but this is how I explain it to patients. And that's going to help me pay attention to you. I also enjoy talking to you. And so that releases a certain amount of dopamine. Dopamine is our pleasure molecule. It's what we release when we're interested or excited about something. And dopamine helps us reduce the noise. So what dopamine can do is it suppresses the distractor. So those people talking out in the hallway, I cannot pay attention to them better when I'm interested in talking to you. So I have both the norepinephrine, this conversation's important, you're important, 
and the dopamine, I enjoy doing this, I am enjoying talking to you so that I can really focus and well on you. So when people are either unmedicated or we're still trying to figure out their medications, one hack they can use is by figuring out ways to make their work interesting and important. So can we turn their homework into more of a game? If it's a kid, if it's an adult, can they figure out what the impact of this report will be? Why is this report important? Hopefully it is important. And that can help them you know, boost that norepinephrine release essentially and focus better on it. Because we know that if it's important to people with ADHD or they're really interested in it, they can focus better than their same age peers. It's called hyper-focus. But it's one of the reasons why ADHD is overrepresented in CEOs and entrepreneurs, because that incredible focus ability helps them get work done well, because they can sustain focus for hours if the factors are in place for them to succeed. If it's really boring and feels unimportant, like a lot of school, they're really going to struggle. And I think that's why ADHD gets such a bad rap, because we often diagnose it in school-age children, and school's hard for them. Because if you think about it, school is boring, and a lot of it is unimportant. The structure of school was developed to help train kids to work in factories. And while that's not true anymore, and we've moved really far from that, there are still some structural elements in place that are remnants of that. And I love to tell kids that with ADHD because but then they laugh because usually they don't want to be factory workers. And so they think, okay, well, I'm not successful here, but that's okay because that's not what I want to do with my life. And if you spend some time talking generally about the strength of having ADHD, there's a reason why some people call it the secret superpower. Kids feel better, adults feel better about having it, and they're better able to plan their strengths. People with ADHD have faster processing speeds, about 30% faster in many studies. And that's one of the reasons why they'll jump ahead of other people in conversations and interrupt because they've already processed that information. They're already ahead of everyone else. But we can see if harnessed appropriately how that could be really useful. They can also think about more than one thing at the same time. I wish I could do this so badly. If I have a patient presenting a complex issue to me, Sometimes I have to tell them, okay, I have to think about what you just said. And I literally make them sit in silence with me for a few moments while I think because I can't talk to them and think about something complex at the same time. Even to be able to think about something simple at the same time took years of training and effort for me. But if I had ADHD, that would be really easy. And people with ADHD that I know who are clinicians will tell me that like, oh, you had to work at that, but that is easy. You can just do that. And I said, no, actually, I can't do that. But I'm super jealous of those that can. Um, and this helps a lot of different people in different types of jobs. So I took care of a man once who was in operations management, and everyone else needed kind of these very complex diagrams and flow sheets to track things through multiple planes and in different ways. And he could just do all of that in his head. So if someone asked him a question, he could think that through an answer without having to go get all of those different spreadsheets. So he was much more effective at his job. A big advantage to having ADHD is that people with ADHD are more creative and more out-of-the-box problem solvers. They have better set shift capabilities in their prefrontal cortex. So 
the example I like to give for this is a lot of computer programmers I treat have ADHD and they're the ones who can figure out the answer to that bug no one else can get or they're the ones who come up with a creative solution to the problem that other people don't think of because they're so much better at thinking out of the box and that's a real asset to any workplace. Another huge advantage to having ADHD is energy. People with ADHD have more energy and I think everyone listening to this podcast is probably as tired as I am and can imagine how great it would feel to have that extra energy. I always make sure, especially if I'm making a diagnosis, to present a very strength-based approach to ADHD, they have much better outcomes. And it's especially important to teach this to parents that yes, their child will need a lot of prompts. They won't finish their chores well. They'll get distracted. They need more help with homework. They're more work to parent, and that's just true. But they also have these amazing capabilities, and it's really cool that they have those as well. The number one factor for how kids with ADHD do is whether or not they're in a loving environment and they feel accepted by their parents. They're going to have a lot of trouble at school. They're going to have to develop a lot of resilience. But if they feel that their family understands, accepts, and loves them, they do a lot better which makes sense, right? So in summary, ADHD is very badly named. It is not a deficit of focus. It is an inability to control focus and attention and an inability to regulate emotions. Well, they get big fast. And if we think about it more as a disease of control and how are we going to help them gain more control, we do a much better job teaching them about the illness and helping them manage the illness and helping them develop resilience for the times when their illness does make it hard or when other people are negative about their illness or their symptoms. I hope this helps you both diagnose and explain ADHD to patients and their parents or spouses, anyone important in their lives. And stay tuned for the next in our ADHD series, which will be the non-stimulant medications. I hope everyone has a great Friday. Mm-hmm.